Welcome to Leasing Out Loud, the podcast that is your information source for all things commercial real estate. We are your hosts, Lorraine Spindler and Lori Suba, and we're commercial real estate brokers with Scout Real Estate. We're excited that you're here and hope that you'll join us each episode as we explore the ins and outs of Calgary's commercial real estate market. You're listening to episode seven of Leasing Out Loud with your hosts, Larae and Lori. Welcome back, everyone. This week, we are talking about local food production and vertical farming. This is a very cool topic. It actually came from one of our listeners. They reached mm-hmm. out and asked us to cover vertical farming and what it's all about and potentially what it means for space utilization in Calgary. And it's quite interesting because I know as a downtown broker, I would often have people sort of say tongue in cheek, you know, the solution for downtown office vacancy is just to start growing cucumbers as an example, (laughs) or other fruits and vegetables. This will be the solution for downtown office vacancy. So I'm really curious today to hear our guests' thoughts on this. And is it a good idea or not? Or what are some of the challenges or obstacles that would need to be overcome. Absolutely. So we're so excited to have a special guest here today, Dan Barazan of Cultivator. And have to share, I personally use Cultivator and have been thrilled with my experience this year. And it's an online grocery service. So lots of us are familiar with that process these days. Sure, Um, with COVID, right? Everyone's ordering groceries. And if we didn't use it before COVID, we do now. So there's that. But Cultivator's real niche is that it's all Alberta- producers. So local agriculture. Very cool. Yes. So that's my understanding of it. But Dan, we'd love to hear from you. Tell us a bit more about Cultivator, what you guys do and your background, how you got into it. Sure. Absolutely. Always love talking about that. So Cultivator is, we like to call it an online farmer's market more so than than a grocery store. With us, what we're trying to do is build a local food economy and a local food system. Not something that we kind of stumbled upon, and I'll get into that a little bit later, but what we've kind of come to the conclusion and realization through a long, vigorous process of, of research and development and saying that, you know, why don't we eat our own food? You know, why mm-hmm. do we send all of the money we spend on food? Why does it leave our province? Why doesn't it stay here? And so mm-hmm. we started digging into it and really found that we can actually do a lot with having a local food system and, you know, just because I'm looking out my window right now at boiling snow and, you know, people always say, well, we can't grow anything in the winter in Alberta, but the truth is we can. It's just we haven't right. is the answer. Right. Interesting. And so this is the growing trend we're all seeing is sustainable farming. So mm-hmm. a real focus on what can you get local? Mm-hmm. And with technology, obviously, that's the growth in that is what's going to grow the amount of different products that can be offered from a local perspective. So absolutely. And I think that's a misconception as well, is we have to change farming mm-hmm. and agriculture from what it is currently mm-hmm. into something that's different. Right. And, you know, anytime people want to do anything that's different, it's hard and it's challenging, mm-hmm. but it can be done. I know even from our experience as a business, we have 648 different local products that we have on our website right now. Mm-hmm. And we've taken down probably about 50 because it is winter and there are some things we aren't growing yet. Right. But when you mentioned vertical farming, it's a really interesting opportunity to explore some of the science and technology. And that's one of the things cultivators that we don't really talk about it enough. Mm-hmm. But we realize we do have a food supply problem, mm-hmm. not a food shortage, but no. a food supply problem in that to grow. Like if we 
were to say triple our size, we'll run out of product for our customer. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we think we can change that by using technologies like looking at some vertical farming techniques, looking at some more greenhouses, some different ways of doing things that are starting to be proven. And that's part of what we bring to the table is we kind of coined this thing we call predictive agriculture, Mm. which is where right now we're collecting the data from our customers on what they want, when they want it. And we want to be able to go to producers and anyone who wants to be a farmer and say, hey, here's our demand. Here's a chance to grow it. Here's a chance to do it. Here's some technology you can use to do it and then have that create independent businesses and our own local food supply. That's really smart. And I was hoping to, Dan, maybe for the benefit of our listeners, could you share with us what is vertical farming? Because it was really funny. I was chatting with an industry member in the real estate world today, and I said, it's really cool. We're going to do this podcast on vertical farming. And she said, that's great. What is it? So I'm hoping... It's a buzzword, it's a buzzword. what does it really mean? What, what does it actually mean, Dan? It depends on the scale you're talking about it. And that's kind of the interesting sort of concept of it right now that does create anytime there's a buzzword probably there's 85 different meanings to it. Sure. You know, to us, vertical farming means the use of basically growing things up instead of out and in an open environment. That's how I would right. drive it. Traditional farming right now is you need a large land base spread out. I mean, it's open air, it's open element, whereas mm-hmm. vertical farming, you start to grow things upwards and then have it in an enclosed environment, which... Okay. There's some advantage to the enclosed environment. I was going to say control, obviously, like the weather. I come from a farming family, so they're always yeah. lamenting the weather, the hailstorms, too much the rain, drought, not enough. Not enough. Like, <laughs> so, you know, obviously, if you're in an indoor facility, you can maybe control that a little better. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, absolutely. But it also comes with some drawbacks. So mm. there's very few, like right now, the hydroponics and the aquaponics are pretty prevalent mm-hmm. on the system. Um, hydroponic. I think everybody kind of knows what that is right now. And if not, we can explain it. And then aquaponics is basically the introducing a fish mm. into the hydroponic system to provide fertilizer. And actually it benefits the growing. One of our producers, Deepwater Farms, actually does aquaponics. They're a really cool local company that does some cool stuff there. Mm. As well as, you know, we also have our neighbors where we're located in our facility called the Harvest Hub. They're doing some really cool research on vertical growing as well. The Mm. cool thing about what Harvest Hub does is they're actually doing it soil-based. So Mm. that's one of the downsides about vertical farming that doesn't use soil. Soil does create a lot of taste in your product. Right. It doesn't mean the other stuff isn't good, Mm -hmm. but soil does create a lot of flavor. Soil has a ton of environmental benefits Mm -hmm. um, managed correctly. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a little bit of a trade-off that you lose some things, but you gain some other things with vertical farming. Mm-hmm. But there's so much cool stuff being done. You know, like Google and Amazon have both dropped in the neighborhood of half a billion dollars into research and development on vertical farming down in the States as wow. well. So. Wow. so the technology is there and only going to get better. And of course, in the context of where our listener was coming from was there's real estate available in Calgary. So Mm -hmm. can we increase the amount of growing indoors that's happening? But Dan, there's obviously a lot of considerations to that process. So what are some of the implications to a building or the reason we're maybe not seeing more of it yet? 
I think honestly, from like the high rise downtown office perspective, mm-hmm. you know, and being an entrepreneur, I hate to be a naysayer and because yeah. I'm always like, well, let's try something. Let's see what happens. <laughs> you know, yeah. what, like, what have we got to lose? Right. But I do see from a perspective of like the office buildings and stuff, it never working. No. Basically from the perspective of when you start growing things, especially with hydroponic and aquaponics, I always relate it to the grow ops that all the damage that gets done mm-hmm. to residential houses that yeah. starts to do grow ops when well, you have course. that same problem. So if you don't have the ability to put in the proper ventilation mm-hmm. and make those changes, and I just don't think those changes are probably economically feasible for mm-hmm. landlords yeah. Um, yeah. and businesses starting up, you know, like I can guarantee a startup into vertical farming unless you're backed by Google or Amazon, isn't going to have the capital to be able to do those as leasehold improvements. That they need to do, exactly, yeah. Secondly, one of the challenges when you think about what produce sells for, right? and the market's probably not willing to pay a lot more. That's one thing we've learned at mm. Cultivators. People will pay a little bit more, but not a lot more for local or properly grown stuff. And a lot of that's just people can only afford to spend so much on food. Right. It's not they don't want to, it's what they have available. And so just looking at, for example, is on a per square foot basis is you can grow a lot of lettuce on a per square foot basis in a vertical farm, but it's still only at wholesale, probably a $2 commodity. So Mm. even if you're selling a lot of it, you have to generate a lot of product to be able to make make that payback in a downtown commercial office environment. Definitely. Um, Secondly, logistics of, you know, how are you taking it up and down elevators and all those things. just Trying it in. Yeah. Like those buildings were not designed to have the big semi trucks in and out from a logistical standpoint, not a thing. That being said, where I feel the real opportunity is, and we're starting to see some people talk to us about coming on as producers is, is doing it in their areas outside surrounding Calgary. Okay. Because you don't need the fanciest building in the world, Mm -hmm. but it does create the opportunities in areas outside where we have lower property taxes. I was, Looking at, you know, you guys, looks like you did a feature on the differences between, you right. know, like even we looked at Balzac, Balzac. And here, yeah. you know, you look at those different tax rates. And I think that's a big deciding factor. Again, when you look at, we know the variable price we can charge is capped. Mm-hmm. So we have to look at where can we use this technology in a cost-effective environment. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. a lot of sense. As soon as you're bringing it inside a building, then you have the rent factor, how much are you paying to be in a certain location? Property tax or utilities, even the cost of those varies between municipalities. And then also, even from an existing space, again, you're in that retrofitting an existing space. And mm-hmm. can you make it do? And like even just us with our food storage, like mm-hmm. we spent a small fortune on getting our facility up to standard to be a food facility. So we do have those additional regulations as soon as you start growing food yeah. and maintaining food. There's a bunch of new things you have to do. And so something as simple as we can't just have a concrete floor. You have to actually seal that thing off. And so that gets pricey in a hurry Mm -hmm. if it's in a big, big building. I think the answer is it's definitely something I do think it's the future. You know, it's something we really advocate. Mm -hmm. I think you just really have to look at the cost benefit of it. We need some innovators to take the chance and do it mm-hmm. yeah. because I look at these Tesla batteries coming out for power storage. They're phenomenal. Right. Mm-hmm. But right. somebody had to do it first, right? Somebody started so, it. Yeah, you're right. And now it's getting more affordable and more affordable. You know, like who would have thought 
I was joking my son's too and I don't know if he'll actually learn to drive he'll probably have an autonomous vehicle we were just talking yeah (laughs) you're right we were just talking about that with my kids too that don't worry too much about the driver's test because that might be a thing of the past so you're right (laughs) things change over time and we need people that have the foresight to be able to innovate and see where there's opportunities and be able to sort of take it to the next Mm -hmm. level so I agree. And, you know, one of the things we're really big on, it's part of why we're trying to build a local food system, like with Cultivator, you know, it's pretty cool what we've done in the sense of, hopefully I don't sound like I'm I'm tooting our horn, but, you know, we do everything local. So we support local businesses, we support local economies. And I think we really believe Alberta's future is agriculture, Mm -hmm. but it's working with everyone. It's not this high horse that everyone has to be a vegan vegetarian right you know yeah, that yeah. will save the planet because right. if, if that's your choice to be a vegan or vegetarian that's a personal choice and that's cool but yeah. it's not something that we have to do to save the planet we just have to work together as a group and i think that applies the same for real estate and vertical farming we need a landlord who will step up and maybe give these guys a break to get it going to mm-hmm. build the technology mm-hmm. yeah. meet halfway on TIs on instead TIs of instead expecting of, someone yeah. to pay everything together. So, right, you know, if right. we work together, I'm not saying a landlord has to give it away, mm-hmm. but it's being fair and kind of building an industry. That's how we all kind of come ahead. Yeah. Building an opportunity for sure. Speaking of opportunity, aside from vertical farming, there's a lot of other food production and opportunities in those segments that would increase and grow the more we look to our local areas and as close to home as possible for that food supply. So what are you seeing from all the producers you work with and have relationships with? What's this last year been? What have you seen? Yeah, we've kind of broken ourselves and our producers in the sense of the system. Again, hopefully this doesn't come across as tooting our horn, but you know, when we grow by 12,000% in a year, it's phenomenal. Um, wow. Yeah. But we are a startup, so it's, it's kind of cute. <laughs> so before, before we get too, too big on that. That's still um, a great number. That, we'll that, take that, it, Dan. That, 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 that's the honest. But that being said, is one of the things we've learned is we've broken a lot of producers in their ability to supply us. Oh. They don't have the commercial facilities to be able to do it. And that's a real interesting opportunity is if uh, any landlord is listening and wants to discuss that further, um, mm-hmm. they can reach out to you guys to get my contact info because something we've been thinking about and wanting to talk about is how can we allow our producers to make more food like the food manufacturing side of things is actually something that i think there's a great opportunity Mm -hmm. in calgary to do Mm -hmm. just about every single one of our vendors who make something comes to me with the same problem is you know we want to supply you more we want to supply you more but i've only got kitchen space for an hour every week right yeah and you know it kind of raised that question if everyone's saying that and we're showing there's a demand for it Mm -hmm. on our you know because we're trying to buy more sure yeah it's sort of there's that opportunity and so yeah there's something there yeah i agree and doing like co-working kitchens like i'd kind of attribute it to like co-working space like a co-working lease space is there's an opportunity for that in one of these environments you know Mm -hmm. fridge and freezer space again it's capped at what vendors are really able to pay. It's not a lot, but it's still something that there's a lack of. Yeah, there's a market for freezer space. For sure. We've seen that. Lorraine and I have mm-hmm. a couple of groups that we're working with that fall into that category, Dan, of food producers or makers in Calgary. It's interesting because with COVID, they really saw a spike in terms of their growth. And that was attributed to the fact that they had a lot of their customers were now cooking at home and that was becoming more and more important for people. So instead of eating out all the time, they were saying, you know, we want to cook at home and we want it to be good food. And so they really saw 
some growth. And I've actually just done a small commercial kitchen deal for a small warehouse. So to your point, I think you're right. There's a market for it. There's a need for it. It's just finding the landlords that see the opportunity and kind of can take it to the next level. Because there's not the space readily available, like a co-working commercial kitchen, but there's the demand there. So it does take a lot of investment up front to get the infrastructure ready. But Dan, as you're saying, there's lots of producers out there that want to be doing more. Yeah. And one of the challenges is, again, I'm sure I'm not the first person on this podcast who's going to come down in our lovely regulations and rules. I'll leave mm-hmm. it at that. I won't mm-hmm. say who's responsible for them. But, right. <laughs> but um, you know, all these challenges we have, like in a commercial kitchen, the costs are just it's ridiculous. A it's a lot. And yeah. so no one vendor is probably going to be able to support it as the startup vendor. Yeah. But we have to remember that these vendors do grow into pretty amazing companies, even from the larger side of things. There's the total catch-22 in that if you build it, they will come. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The same thing with us, we learned is if we didn't build it first, we can't support the growth. Right. And we can't get to that next level. Like, you know, if you don't have the wherewithal or the resources to be able to do it, it's kind of a shame. Mm-hmm. You know, there's mm-hmm. all this demand, but then people can't support it because there's nowhere for them to really do it. But it is a really interesting opportunity. And we know the restaurant industry is in trouble mm-hmm. and looking at some of those spaces. But again, it's that challenge of, you know, you always look for a restaurant that went under because it's way cheaper. Right. Um, <laughs> Everything's uh, there. You, know, you can yeah. walk in exactly. and, and yeah. so, so start working. There's opportunities with that. But from a commercial perspective, those just sometimes don't work either. Mm-hmm. Because again, a lot of them are located downtown. Or Doesn't make sense. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Exactly. You have a landlord there that's expecting another restaurant to move in and operate. Pay the Not freight. necessarily, yeah, yeah, food production. And it's hard for someone to be both like... You know, we've had a couple of vendors who have thought about getting restaurants and kind of running a front and then kind of doing the catering out the back. And yeah. it's just really tough to support both. So yeah. That's great. So we want to make sure where our listeners can find out more about Cultivator, which is Cultivator with no E. It is C-U-L-T-I-V-A-T-R dot C-A. And so they're an online farmer's market with all Alberta producers. And I've been using the service all of this year, and I'm so pleased with the quality and the convenience of it coming to my door. And as Dan said, there's 600 and some products on the website. Amazing. So uh, check it out. They're doing great things. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Dan, for taking the time to connect with us today. I think you did a really great job providing an overview mm-hmm. of what vertical farming is, why it's important to grow locally, and what some of the opportunities might be in the Calgary and Alberta market for this type of venture. So thank you. Perfect. Well, thanks for having me. Hopefully we can see some more people and we're always looking for producers. So uh, the more people we get working within our local food system, the better. Well, I hope our listeners have enjoyed this week's episode mm-hmm. and our time with Dan today talking about vertical farming and various opportunities in terms of local growing. As always, if you have any questions for us or for Dan, please feel free to reach out to us at hello at scoutrealestate.ca. We'd be happy to connect you. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And join us next episode when we talk more about what's happening in Calgary's commercial real estate market. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.